0: What do you think? Are drivers maxed out? Will the one that you're playing today actually be obsolete within a couple years, or will they pretty much perform the same?
1: I think everyone feels like drivers are all maxed out, like everyone's at the max limit on ball speed and that there can be no differentiation in terms of they all, if you hit them out of the middle, they all go the same distance, and I don't think that's really true at all, to be honest.
0: Today, we are talking drivers, and that is one of our guests, Dr. Paul Wood. Hi, I'm Paul Wood. I'm the VP of Engineering at Ping Golf. Who also happens to be one of the guys behind Turbulators.
1: And I remember the day we put it in the wind tunnel and saw that, yeah, you know what? This is close to a mile an hour faster without doing anything. These little speed bumps on the top.
0: We'll definitely hear more about that today, and also get into a very practical explanation of center of gravity, MOI, and all of these terms that you've probably heard, uh, but never really gotten a clear explanation for
2: we had the r15 we're trying to um we're trying to lower the center of gravity obviously in the M product by using materials but we're also trying to um, create more consistency with the track itself um, so we started with a shaping exercise of moving the heel and toe of the face down we actually have a, a sort of a mule prototype that has We called it winglets because it had a a big flat bottom to it and kind of a a protrusion off the bottom of the club that lowered the track on a a very flat surface. So again, a couple benefits happen there. You get consistency from the flexibility of a a track that's consistent across.
0: That is another one of our guests for today's show. Brian Basil, Senior
2: Director of Product Creation and really the Metalwood category for TaylorMade Golf.
0: All right. You ready for this? Can't wait. Let's get into it. You're listening to the Golf Science Lab. We're bringing to light research and concepts you might not have heard before so you can play better on the golf course. Hey, I'm your host, Cordy Walker. And in this season of the Golf Science Lab, we have covered some topics like golf shafts, putters, wedges, and now today, drivers. It's been fantastic. And I love hearing all the feedback on Twitter and Facebook, as well as the reviews on iTunes, it's so good to hear that you're enjoying it. It's been amazing to put it together. If you think that more people should be listening to this and, and learning kind of the science behind golf clubs, make sure to send out a tweet and share your favorite episode from this four-part series. Yes, this is the final part of, of the season on club technology. If you enjoy this episode and want to stay tuned for season four which will be our next season coming out this fall winter make sure to join the insider group you can get access at golfsciencelab.com insider and stay up to date on everything that we're doing even besides the golf science lab podcast there's a lot more that we have going on but there is a season four in the works can't wait to let you know a little bit more about that soon Today we're gonna talk about a lot of terms that get batted around, but you might not actually understand. MOI, center of gravity, etc. And to be honest, I didn't understand them. That's why I'm asking these questions and creating this episode. I wanted to understand what's actually going on with a driver. And by the way, a little advice, definitely go back and listen to the episode we did on shafts so that you get a more complete picture on what's going on with drivers. So let's start with forgiveness. What makes a driver forgiving and how will that impact your ball flight?
1: If you had the perfect MOI, if you had super high MOI, essentially every shot would have basically the same kind of ball speed and you wouldn't get as much of the, the, or wouldn't get any of the gearing.
0: Okay, so MOI is a big piece of forgiveness, but high MOI doesn't mean you're going to hit every drive down the middle.
1: It doesn't mean every shot would go straight because if your face is way open to the path, it's still going to go right. Curve to them right. You know, there's there's those are two separate things. There's one is the the effect of a miss hit on just the club twists, and therefore you get some change in angle and change in spin. But the other is just if you deliver the club face open to the path it's going, then you're going to get a spin in that direction.
0: So it's going to help with your mistruck shots, but does it have anything to do with how far you can actually hit the club? Would a high MOI club be shorter than a low MOI club?
1: And MOI has to do with with forgiveness and distance because it doesn't have anything to do with the distance of your perfectly struck shot, but it's going to help make your miss go almost the same distance as your, as your better shot. And everyone misses, especially with the driver. When we do testing, we'll look at what we'd call a a dispersion area. So if you have 10 players hitting 10 shots each, you've got a hundred shots in this dispersion area. And And what you see with the higher inertia clubs is that the, the bottom end of that dispersion area moves up. So the the top end of the dispersion area, the very furthest shots kind of stay where they are. But as you increase inertia, the bad shots get better.
0: Need an example? Let's take a look at the G series from Ping. If you just look at kind of the shape of a Ping
1: G2 or G5, and then look at how that shape's evolved over the years, certainly the G15, G20, G25, and it gets a lot more kind of elongated a lot sort of sleeker looking, which actually looks like it might be more aerodynamic, but is, as we've discovered, is actually not good for aerodynamics. So, we were doing things that were really good for increasing moment of inertia and moving the center of mass back
0: and, and down. So, MOI. As you increase the inertia, the poorly struck shots go further. That's one effect. But MOI also has an impact on spin and launch. More on that and Center of Gravity later after this quick break. If you're enjoying the show and want to further your education on all things golf improvement, you have to join the Golf Science Lab Insider Group. It's free for one, and we'll send over some content you definitely need to see to get better at understanding what the research says about performance and learning. We've been adding a lot of content lately about this, and when you sign up for the group, we'll send over a series of emails walking you through the most important pieces of that. Check it out at GolfScienceLab.com. Com. let's talk about center of gravity it's probably something that you've heard before and it's not actually just a golf term it's a physics term that means the point at which the entire weight of a body may be considered as concentrated so that it is supported at this point the body would remain in equilibrium in any position okay that's a physics term, not a golf term. We're golfers. Let's go to Brian Basil from TaylorMade and see how this works with their M1 driver with the adjustable weight system, which is moving the center of gravity around.
2: In the case of the M1 m driver, you have, um, you know, a 15 gram weight in the front track and you have a 10 gram weight in the back track. When you move those weights, you're moving the center of gravity of that head. And when you move the center of gravity of that head, you're changing uh, if you impact the ball or uh, the ball impacts the face in the same place and you've moved that weight in a different location, you will get a different ball flight. And so take the example of, of moving that 15 gram weight
0: in the front track. That would be the track parallel to the face of the club or the right and left track.
2: Let's say you move it in the heel, you move it towards the hosel. You're changing the the center of mass of that club and so if you had impact if you hit it in the exact same location on the face, and now the weight, the center of that mass is more heelward, you're going to get a gear effect. And so the ball is going to want to have sort of a, the face is going to want to flare open a bit more, and the, and the ball is going to want to turn sort of right to left and provide a little bit more draw or a little bit more left bias to it. In addition to that, with the weight moving in the heel, you know, the, the CG or center of gravity away from, from the shaft is getting shorter. And so, your ability to, to, your hosel inertia, what we call it, um, your ability to rotate the club becomes a little bit easier. So, it's a a double effect in that case.
0: So, we're looking at moving the ball flight left and right. Pretty simple to understand there. Uh, But then, what if we move that weight forward and backwards? So, you want
2: to create um, basically a, a marriage of the right launch and spin to maximize your carry distance and your rollout. And so, with the backtrack, that allows you to really fine tune the launch angle and spin rate and provide that, ultimately, that distance. Um, there are other things that are happening when you move that weight, the inertia and stability of the product changes. But ultimately, if you keep it simple in the sense of launch and spin, you can do that through that backtrack. If you move it all the way in the back. You're moving that mass further away from the center of mass of the club and your, your inertia values are starting to increase. So the, what is the inertia providing? Well, it's providing that stability on off center, uh, shots and protecting ball speed when you miss hit it. And so, though we call out that backtrack is just high and low for trajectory, it actually is high and low as it relates to inertia. And so, uh, it's sort of a, sort of a, a side benefit or a, or a different benefit from, from that.
0: Let's get a little more detail on what's going on when we move that weight around like that with Paul Wood.
1: Similarly, as we go high and low, as the center of mass is higher, you're gonna tend to get lower launch more spin. As the center of mass goes down, you get
0: higher launch lower spin. So just to reiterate that quickly, center of gravity up equals dynamic loft goes down and spin increases. Center of gravity down equals dynamic loft goes up and spin decreases.
1: Through similar effects, but in in the other orientation. And the center of mass front to back is a little more of a, maybe a tricky one to kind of get your head around a little bit, but because the center of mass is naturally more forward in the driver, there's a lot of weight in the face because the face has to be fairly thick so you don't break the club, essentially. Um, That's where all the impact happens, so that's where you you need quite a bit of the mass and also up in the hosel there's, there's a fair amount of mass and so generally speaking if we don't do anything special in the design the center of mass is going to be quite far forward as we move the center of mass back as we do some things to be able to lighten up the hosel lighten up the face and pull the central mass back we're also increasing inertia at the same time and so actually the biggest effect of moving the central mass back is the fact that we're increasing the inertia but it also helps give you a little more dynamic loft so you can use a lower lofted driver and with the center of mass that's further back it kind of it gives you a little more bending of the shaft at impact and so you can get some of your launch dynamically use a lower lofted driver and get a little more launch dynamically and generally speaking using a lower lofted driver kind of helps us keep spin down keep ball speed high and so that's generally a positive thing
0: so just to break that down quickly center of gravity forward means the dynamic loft goes down, spin decreases, and MOI decreases. And now if you move that center of gravity farther back, the dynamic loft goes up, spin goes up, and MOI goes up. So you might be asking yourself now, what's best?
2: When that weight is forward, it's actually the the longest setting on a a robot in a center strike because the, the CG is closest to the center and you're reducing the spin the most. Uh, and so you're getting, you're sort of getting a double benefit. And that's a, that case. So that for players that, you know, perhaps they don't hit it all over the face as much. Um, they're a little bit more consistent and they really have a lot of speed and want to keep the spin down and optimize that speed. They would look to maybe put the weight in the, in the forward
1: position.
0: But you're not a robot. So that might not be best for you. And it's not even best for some tour pros.
1: So we found with our pro, we we used to make you know, a line of drivers that were more aimed at the, the better players and they were maybe a little smaller head, uh, or a little kind of smaller shape and, and not as high moment of inertia. And, and we found that 95 plus percent of our tour players would still choose to play the most forgiving driver because they were getting the best results out of it. And the, and the, the high moment of inertia really helps high swing speed players. So, yes, the answer is. Bringing the CG a little bit forward and down is good because keeping the spin down is important, but sacrificing too much moment of inertia ends up hurting more than it helps.
0: One of the main reasons that Paul and Brian are able to continually improve the change MOI and center of gravity at their different companies is because they've been able to free up weight with new types of materials and casting technology.
1: The dragonfly sections on the the crown of a G-driver are three sheets of paper thick.
2: Well, I think some of the things that that you know that where we're unlocking performance, the idea of multimaterial, which it you know has been around, we continued to push titanium casting to a level that I think is arguably better than than anything in the industry, but to a point where we had to kind of play in a different play box now, and the introduction of more exotic materials to unlock more performance. That's not going away. That will continue. That, this is not just a, a one shot thing. I think that's exciting for us because, you know, the more mass you can free up, the more things you can do with it. And I think that's, it's a two part, it's a two part thing, right? It's one thing to free it up. It's another thing to do something interesting with it that allows golfers to improve. So the T track system that you, that you see in the, in the M product was grown and, and was created by the mass. That we were able to free up in that uh, carbon crown, that seven-layer carbon crown. Previously, you know, just the amount of weight it takes for the infrastructure of the track, and then having 25 grams of movable weight within those tracks, it just wasn't possible before. And to have the the CG projection where it is wasn't possible with all of that. So it's not it's not just multi-material that allows you to do it, but it's again how you use that mass and where you put it that ultimately affects the performance.
0: So we've talked about MOI and center of gravity, really these critical concepts when it comes to engineering any club. One component that has become more mainstream over the past few years has been aerodynamics. Uh, We have ping with our turbulators, Callaway talking about working with Boeing, and obviously people are paying attention to this. Well, it's fun and it's close to my
1: heart because, um, because my role five years ago in the company was, was part of the innovation team. And then I started managing the innovation team and, And it was one of, in the very, very early days, it was one of my projects to try to figure out uh, and try to answer the question of just does aerodynamics even matter? Is it even really worth our while studying? So we did some some just initial studies to look at. Does it make enough difference for us to bother really focusing on? And we did some wind tunnel testing and we did some simulation. And, And aerodynamic simulations is really computer intensive. And so... 20 years ago, it would have been pretty much impossible to do a good aerodynamic simulation of a golf club. 10 years ago, it was really at the cutting edge of what you could do. Even five years ago, it was still pretty pretty rare to do a good fluid dynamic simulation because um, airflow is a complicated thing. And it's, uh, it's very small features as the air flows over a club head. You're talking about modeling these tiny little currents and eddies and areas of turbulence and it's complicated stuff to simulate but we did some early simulations and, and came to the conclusion you know what there is enough there there's enough the difference between a poor aerodynamics on a driver and good aerodynamics could be at least a couple of miles an hour and that's worth going after and so that's kind of where the idea for turbulator started and it was myself and one of our other research engineers that, that did this early work on Turbidators are sort of inspired by, by seeing similar features on other, in other areas. Airplanes, uh, small, particularly small light aircraft, use things called turbulator strips on wings to try to help energize the flow, they say, is, is, is kind of how they refer to it. And that's what it's doing for us on our driver. It takes an area where the airflow separates from the club or would separate from the club, and it helps it kind of stick to the club which leads to a smaller wake, which leads to less drag, which means you can swing it faster. That's the extremely simplified version of it. But, um, you know, so it's been really fun for me going from that initial concept of does it even matter to here's an idea, let's test it. And I remember the day we put it in the wind tunnel and saw that, yeah, you know what, this is close to a mile an hour faster without doing anything. These little speed bumps on the top we're gaining nearly a mile an hour was just fantastic for us. And, and then figuring out how to actually get it on the club and be able to make it repeatably and, and manufacture it. And then kind of seeing it get to market on the G30 has was, been really fun for us. So now we have full-time fluid dynamics um, experts. We have a couple of PhD guys who, that's what they studied at university. And, and they' they're working on the cutting edge simulations and we still use wind tunnels and just trying to do whatever we whatever we can to keep optimizing, because every every few tenths of a mile an hour we give the players another yard here and a yard there.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate the guests on this show, Paul Wood, for taking the time to share with us. You can find him on Twitter at paulwood seventy nine. Check out the latest G driver and thank Paul for those turbulators getting you a little extra speed. And also thank you, Brian Basil, for joining us. You can find him on Twitter at b b a z z l uh, and now that you understand center of gravity and the impacts of moving weight around pick up an m1 and see what it does for your game make sure to head over to golf insider get access to the content first and stay up to date on what we're documenting in golf science this episode was hosted and written by me cordy walker you can follow me on twitter at cordy walker it was edited mixed and produced by just hit published productions music includes rsbn by blank and kit only instrumental by broke for free here's the thing by lee rosevere all licensed under creative commons by 3.0 we'll see you all next time on the golf science lab